there's a reason mm -hmm. why loan officers, mortgage brokers, they ride in different cars, man. <laughs> they travel different <laughs> when they travel, man. Like, there's right. a financial piece to this side of what Absolutely. you do Absolutely. that you got to tell us a little bit more about. What's the biggest deal you ever did? Oh, my goodness. So the biggest deal I ever did was a 28-unit uh, apartment building. Okay. Uh, I want to say somewhere 20, 25 million. Jeez, you funded a $25 million deal? Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Where we highlight some of the most creative and non-traditional ways to make money in real estate. We will showcase some of the world's greatest male and female real estate developers and teach you how you can make money by using the same strategies. Now, it's time to develop. Here's your host, Charles Noonan. Welcome to another episode of The Land Bank Show, where we highlight dope individuals that have made money through non-traditional ways in real estate. Today, we have a special guest, Lamar Parker with two R's. <laughs> Lamar, thanks for coming, man. I thanks, appreciate brother. Appreciate you. you. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So you already know what we do, man. And this is probably like our third or fourth time meeting in yeah. New York. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on and I want to just find out a little bit more and share with our viewers who you are and what you do. All right. That's good. That's good. So again, my name is Lamar Parker. I am a mortgage broker, um, loan officer, however you want to term it. Essentially, what I do is I finance your dream to buy a home or to buy property, you know, such as yourself, your land bank team. If they find a piece of land, mm -hmm. you will come to me for the financing to not only purchase the land, but now build on top of the land. Or if there's already property there, I would help finance the, the purchase of the, the property. Nice, nice. So you, you're the guy that makes people's dreams come true. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All right, cool. We're going to dig We're gonna dig into a, lot, a little bit more about what you do. and do um, Because it's, it's not the traditional form of real estate. Mm -hmm. So you're in real estate making people's dreams come true. But when you think about being in real estate or, or any, anybody that had aspiring dreams of being in real estate as a kid, they don't think, all right, when I grow up, I want to be a loan officer, right? right? I want to be a mortgage broker. However... You guys really do well, right? Absolutely. With loans and, and I don't want to speak to your pockets, but <laughs> you guys tax man. You guys make a lot of money on the, on that side of the fence where you're on. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean yeah. it's it's a good a, a great profession. I enjoy it. Um when you want to buy property, we're probably the last people you think about. Mm -hmm. But in reality, we're probably the first one you have to go through because you need to know how much you can afford, how much you qualify, yeah. you know, based on what you do. So it's I love it. I'm not even going to lie to you. Cool, man. Appreciate it. All right. So before we go any further, man, I really have to just say a thank you to our sponsors. One of our sponsors is unsoldland.org. They are your one-stop shop for land. Most real estate deals don't start with land, but they're all on land. So unsoldland.org found value in sponsoring us because part of the land bank team, we buy land all the time. So they became a sponsor of ours. Our second sponsor is uh star homes in coleman alabama a vendor of ours i uh did so much business with them and we had so many meetings where we shared exactly what they do they took the liberty and they actually offered a, offered to sponsor the land bank show as well nice. very nice so yeah i definitely have to thank the sponsors because they are a big role in what we do absolutely yep all right so so back to it man we're gonna dig Thank into you. this career and absolutely. this non-traditional way in which you you run it up in in real estate let's do it man let's do it so how did you start 
as a loan officer? How'd you get into that? That's funny. That's a good, good question. So um, when I got out of college, um, mm -hmm. I've always wanted to know I wanted to be in real estate. That's funny you ask. Even in high school, I knew I wanted to be in, in form of real estate, but I wanted to be an investor. I didn't really, the finance part of it didn't really come to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I got out of college. I was still kind of playing basketball, semi-pro, and a friend of mine, a mentor, I would say, he was into it. And he was a mortgage broker. And he was like, yo, you should try it. You know, you get your own time. Your time is free. It's a good way to make a lot of money. And uh, it's fun. And, you know, he kind of brought me on his wing, taught me the ropes of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's been 20 years going strong. <laughs> 20 years? 20 years. Wow. 20 years. So I got to say, you are a pro, man. And you know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. But just take a little step back, mm -hmm. man. So you play basketball. Yes. Play college basketball. A little semi-pro, absolutely. Really? Where did you grow up playing ball in New York City? Yes, I am from Rockaway Beach, far Rockaway. Okay. Um, played in high school, Archbishop Malloy. Got a chance to get a basketball scholarship uh, to Division One, UC Irvine. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, California was great. And then uh, <laughs> I came back home, you know, and the rest is history. Played some semi-pro and did some mortgages while I was doing that. Man, that's super interesting because mm -hmm. you always look familiar since we first met. <laughs> I grew up playing basketball Did in the you? city, too, in the Bronx, uptown. Okay. More so, like, just everything from Harlem and up. Yeah. But where you are, you guys, y'all have your own tournaments over there yes. where yes. they're killer, man. So give me one tournament you played in growing up that you that you always looked up to playing in, and then you actually went and played in it really? and did well. Oh, wow. Um, I would say Rucker. Mm -hmm. Rucker was one of those, you know, it's it's Rucker Park, so right. everyone knew about it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you're good enough or you're lucky enough, somebody come and ask you to play and, you know, yeah. you just do what you got to do. Nice, man. Those, those are super fun days. <laughs> I, and I'll tell you a little story about growing up uh, in the Bronx, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a tournament called Gun Hill. Did you ever play in I Gun Hill? In Gun you Hill. played in Gun Hill a yeah. couple yeah. times? Yeah. All right. So ever since I was younger, mm -hmm. I used to always go there and stand on a cage, right? And look <laughs> yes. down because Gun Hill is like a cage. Yeah. I used yeah. to look down and um, the older guys from where I'm from uh -huh. would go play before I was even like 10, 11, 12. Okay. So me growing up, I always wanted to play there. That was like it for me. Yes. I played everywhere in the city. Okay. But realistically thinking like when I was younger, growing up, I always wanted to play in Gun mm -hmm. Hill. Mm -hmm. They always had pros. There was always like super high level competition Absolutely. in Gun Hill. Absolutely. Every team when I was playing had a seven footer, right? Yes. So I used to look as a kid at these seven footers right. like, wow, <laughs> they were like superhuman. And then that was a place where a lot of pros came to play mm -hmm. too. Every summer. Yeah. So um, when I first played there, I don't remember how old I was. I was okay. really young. Okay. And I was good in my neighborhood. But none of the stuff that I used right. worked when I played there. Different levels. I happened to know the ref because we had our own little hood tournament, right? So I happened to know the ref. And he was like, yeah, man, you got to get stronger. And I was like, why didn't you call that? He's like, nah, bro. Like, you got to go harder. Mm -hmm. And uh, none of my stuff worked, but it just made me so much better. Absolutely. Growing up, playing Absolutely. against those pros and playing against bigger guys, smaller guys that were be better. Mm -hmm. And um, it really sharpened my skills, mm -hmm. taught me some... Um, some characteristics on that transfer over into the business Absolutely. world, right? We've Absolutely. all won games down 10 with two minutes left, mm -hmm. and it's really not hanging your head. And that transfers over almost into real estate where sometimes deals are on the line, and they don't look good. Yes. 
But if you've been there a couple of times before, right? You you're like, all right, yeah. I just need to connect this guy or get this right, and Absolutely. then you you figure Speak it out it a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So cool, man. Interesting that that um that we connected yeah, on that yeah, because yeah. I didn't know. I know you from real estate, right? Right. Right. right? right. But it it it, it makes world. sense now. Yes. It yes. makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. All right. So tell me, at, like growing up, right in New York. Mm -hmm. Give me the journey. So I know 20 years in, yes. you do really well today, right? Yes. And, and I have to say, a uh, shout out to you and your um, just your due diligence in getting in contact with me after we met. The process in which you were just so strict and so consistent about, mm -hmm. hey, I can help the land bank team in, in, in some ways that other people can't. It really caught my attention in saying, all right, I got to meet with this guy because... Absolutely. The, the you know the person that introduced us mm -hmm. is like the plug of new yes. york city right <laughs> yes, she yes. knows everybody but <laughs> she spoke so highly of you so now that you know we've connected a couple of times mm -hmm. i wanted to know like how'd you get into it what what took you down that path and really made you say all right this is where it's at for me right 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 well first i want to say like i although i know the value i bring the the value that you bring just to people in general yeah. Uh, you, you know, I just want to give you your flowers, man. Like the, the, your, cool. the way you operate, the, the business, um, the way you help others and yeah. achieving their dreams is just outstanding. And uh, nice. you should be commended for that, man. So. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate take flowers. It. Take your flowers now. Yeah. Um, How'd you like that party we did? Oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I knew a little bit about mm -hmm. what you did, but then. Yeah when you got up and kind of went into a little depth yeah. i was like oh this is like this is outstanding yeah. I, I was telling some some random person like mm -hmm. what he's doing the because there were some people kind of chatting in the back i'm like who's ever talking right now is missing out on a jewel of yeah. an opportunity so outstanding party man cool man thank you appreciate it yeah, yeah so how i got into you know how i started to love what i do is yep. really the question like you know, we all have mentors that kind of guide us in, in certain areas and certain circumstances. But to be honest, what what made me kind of fall in love with the mortgage process is when you have people buying their first home or their mm -hmm. first piece of property. They may be the first person in their family to ever own um, something. Yeah. And when they close the deal, the satisfaction and the just pure joy of the accomplishment for them is what kind of drives me. You know, you know, a lot, especially our community, you know, a lot of times I run into people in our community, they're the first homeowner. Yeah. And on home ownership for us is big. You know, yeah. it's what it's what helps our community continue to grow. So that's what really is just exciting for me, getting that connecting with that first homeowner, that first landowner, that first property person, and them being able to realize their dreams and I'm being able to finance it and be a part of that process nice so i have a question mm -hmm. that i asked the land bank team right mm -hmm. because i impact people in the way that you're familiar with where i i help a lot of new Absolutely. individuals aspiring realtors aspiring developers get into the game mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so based on your experience 20 years in man mm -hmm. tell me what exactly is that moment where it really hits them that they're homeowners right because i did a survey and some people it's like it takes a month for them in the mm -hmm. house to hit 
and then that tear sheds, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you got some people who might cry at the closing table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my team members, her name is Ashley. She almost cried in the car <laughs> on her way back to um, from her closing. Right. 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 So you, right. you see it all, right? Mm -hmm. Do you go to closings? I do. Most or all? Most of them. Most, most. of them. Some you just just. No, I just time <laughs> like one could be here and the other one's another state. So, but I try to yeah. get to 80, 85 percent of them. But there's that emotional point, right? Absolutely. Where I'm going to say you and I make or, or play a part in making somebody a homeowner for the first time. Mm -hmm. Where do you see that first tear shed? Like, where are you most familiar with it? I would say two places. And it usually has to do with the key. The first. Yeah. Some is at the closing table when they exchange keys mm -hmm. and they're holding the key in their hand like it's the golden rule. And like, they go, wow. Yeah. Like. And it's like the key is glowing and you can see the look on their face <laughs> like I finally did it. But th to me, there's still some like, is it mine yet? But then mm -hmm. the, the, sol the solidifying moment is when they open the door with the key. It's when they first open the that door. first open. That's and, when it could hit. Yeah, yeah. And it's dumb and it's empty and it's like, wow. They look yeah. around and go, I made it. Finally. I finally, I'm finally yeah. here. So that those two, again, it's the key. But mm -hmm. is what the key opens opens up to you. So yeah. I would say that. For me, it's more, it's more, it's more a, a transaction now. Mm -hmm. For me, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really get the luxury to get those moments, and that's why I'm so passionate about my team. Right. Because I share in those moments when I make somebody a homeowner, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. tell them, you know, most of the team, when they buy that first house, sometimes it's when they win a bid. Okay. Sometimes it's the closing table. Ah, yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's seeing the property. Yes. Sometimes it's when they get home. It's different for mm -hmm. everybody. Definitely, yes. Absolutely. But um, for me, it's more transactional at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember my first house. It was like it took a while. Yeah. And I think it was like it rained. Like it was like <laughs> the first day it rained. Right? right. Right. And then I was like, man, if there's a leak. I got to fix that. Right. <laughs> and I smiled like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, that's like, this. That's it's my house. It's mine. And I have to fix it, but it is what it is. And th that's where it really touched me. Yes. I, I, I agree. Um, when I first brought my first property, I was probably a, a mortgage loan officer broker for about five years before I brought my first property. Right. And my first property, oddly enough, wasn't one I wanted to live in. It was an investment property. Okay. I was still living with my parents. I was, you know, five years out of college. I'm doing my thing. They, they're giving me the time. And so it was a little weird. I was like, oh, I own this. But it wasn't yeah. somewhere I knew I was going to move. Right. So it wasn't until I got the second one where I was like, oh, I'm living here. Mm -hmm. It became okay. a little different. <laughs> like, I get to move in. Yeah. I get to make decisions. I kind of, you know, get to move. And so that was for me, which is a kind of weird because most people buy the first one they buy is where they're going to move. Yeah. Not necessarily. So that was a, a little different for me. But yeah, I, I tell me definitely get where you're coming from. My first one was an investment property. Too. It was. See? Yeah. It was See? way back, man. There was a company in the Bronx. You mm -hmm. might have heard, you may have heard of them called Better Homes. Mm -hmm. yeah. You remember yeah, them? Yeah, I remember Better Homes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So they, absolutely. this was the time where they were just giving out. Yes. Um, so here, yeah, they used to buy properties Mm -hmm. Right. They were like the first company I've ever seen. Okay. They would buy any property and they would just lowball the hell out of people. Yes. Right. 
They'll do some renovations and then sell it. But they were connected with the mortgage companies. Yeah. Back then, all the mortgage companies were in Long Island. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that? Yeah, right? Yeah. They were all in yeah. Long Island. So mm -hmm. they would connect you to a mortgage company in Long Island. And I think it was like you could just buy like stated or no income, no yes. asset yes. loans. You just show the money that it, it was in your account, mm -hmm. and um, they would just give you the property. Listen, if you, so if you were breathing, you could get a mortgage at a certain time. That was a good time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Lamar, I got to tell you, man, that's where I got my start. Really? Yeah. What year was that? Oh, man. I'm going to say 02. 02, okay. Maybe 2003. Yeah. First came, so I, I got a taste of real estate in college. Okay. Right? Um. They asked me to sign on some papers. Family members asked me to sign some papers to help with a deal in the Bronx on um, Bryant Avenue. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. Just signing. I signed <laughs> off. Right. Right before I went away to school. Right. Okay. It was probably like senior year. I was going into senior year in college. Okay. Right before I went away to school, they're like, hey, we need you to help out with um, with this mortgage. Just sign here. Right. So I signed. And I ended up getting a scholarship to a private school in nice. New Jersey. And the habits, this is where I learned credit too. Learn like mm -hmm. I didn't learn credit. I learned the principles of credit. Okay. Meaning like only buy what you can afford to pay yes. for, buy what you can afford to keep, mm -hmm. right? Um, don't spend money that you don't have yet. Things like that. So the school that I went to, those principles were already instilled and those kids so me coming from the bronx mm -hmm. going into that environment i automatically adopted right those characteristics so i had good credit meanwhile my friends in new york city and that went to other schools in different areas they were opening credit cards in college mm -hmm. and a mm -hmm. lot of them that, that screwed them over they were throwing <laughs> yeah, credit cards out like crazy I right to kids back. in college <laughs> yeah you just don't know on the camp, right? Yeah, they yeah. give it to you. They yeah. give it to you for a bottle of water, for a water bottle, <laughs> and a keychain, and a keychain, right? Or a flashlight, yes. Yes. right? So that's where I really learned. And then when it was tax time, mm -hmm. so tax time comes around, and you know we have a family uh, CPA. Nice. So he's doing our taxes, and they're like, "All right, so yeah, we're gonna do yours. Just sign here, and you're good." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "What do you mean, sign here?" So I really started to dig into my taxes. Good. And I saw there was like $48,000 being made, but nobody really was working for it. Okay. Right. It was almost like passive, passive income. but it was made, I, I was like in on the deal to mm -hmm. help get the deal closed. Right. So at that point I was like, so you guys just going to throw me like $500? <laughs> like that's the, it. The and math ain't math. <laughs> it didn't. Right. So my start in real estate, my education or, or my exposure came from actually a, a place like that. Right. Wow. But I knew when I came home, um, I knew what I was going to do with my money. Good. And then I just I, I connected with um, a guy named Andy who, mm -hmm. who owned Better Homes. I some way somehow I ended you, up meeting full circle. Came you want? Yeah. So that. I knew what I was going to do, mm -hmm. and somehow I connected with them on a property in the South Bronx. Nice. And um, I actually did like a like a deal with two of my best friends. Nice. And we bought a two-family home. Oh, wow. It had to be like 2002, okay. 2002, 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of these days, I'm going to look up everything in Acris, all the stuff that oh, I yeah. owned in New York. <laughs> I'm going to look it up and I'm going to post it one day. Yeah. Oh, nice. That would be, I need to do that too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just started to dig into Acris mm -hmm. and start to look up all my old stuff. It's pretty cool, man. Um, 
So yeah, that's how I got my start. Very nice. Now, yeah. So I just had a question. When you that first deal, the first mm -hmm. two family, was that something you were renting out? Was it you gonna flip it and sell it or what was the All right. So here's the story. <laughs> so it's three of us, mm -hmm. right? We're young. We're fresh out of college. Now basketball is going crazy because now I'm, I'm, I'm older. I'm strong. Mm -hmm. I'm playing all over the right. place. I've played all over the country in school. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like feeling like the best player in the city. Right. Right. You got your, you got your man's muscles. Now. Right. I got some man <laughs> muscles. So we just running crazy. Right. <laughs> and everything. And a couple of friends, really, we talk about this. Like mm -hmm. when I came home, like when I finally graduated, they were like, I was, I was like peaking. Like, I, I realized, like, working out really helped. In high it's school, different. I didn't realize yeah, no, that, right? It's different, it's different. was like, I, I could jump and shoot, so I'm cool. Right. Weights are going to throw me off. No. But what I learned was, like, it really helps increase your range and everything no. else. But it's just like everything else. and It's practice, right? Mm -hmm. It's practice and working out. Mm -hmm. That's transferable to anything that you do Absolutely. in life. Absolutely. Yeah, so what we did, we, think we, we thought we were, like, kings of the city, mm -hmm. We thought we could run. We thought we could do anything, right? Mm -hmm. You get that invincibility uh, aspect to you yeah. as a young person in, in New York City, right? We took a two-family home. Mm -hmm. We chopped it up into rooms. Really? Because so we're, do we're doing the math. Mm -hmm. I think I bought it for like $208,000. It was 908 Home Street, which okay. somebody actually who we sold it to converted it into an eight family wow which i had no knowledge of right, but right, right. i drive by now and i'm like, like <laughs> so look this is what we did and this is why i love and hate real estate in new york city yeah right we chopped it up into rooms it's mm -hmm. a three bedroom over a two bedroom so now we got and we're charging like 125 dollars a, a week for rent that's good money back then so we got like four or five rooms upstairs mm -hmm. we got like three or four downstairs you know what a New York City kid's going to do with the basement, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So we're invincible. Right. Right. Finish the basement. We got three rooms in the basement. It's fairly big size, mm -hmm. right? So I always prided myself on being a landlord and an owner. I always wanted to give people a better place to grow up in and to live than I did. Absolutely. So I made the units really nice. Mm -hmm. And some of all right, some of the older Bronx houses are really big. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Right. So we definitely did everything we could, took care of everybody with really nice places. But then you run into the problem, right? It's always gonna be a problem. You got people that can't pay the rent. Mm -hmm. You got people that don't want to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. We had people Lamar pulling up in really nice cars. Oh yeah, mountains and mountains of groceries, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, and saying, "Hey, I don't have the rent. I, I got to get back to you." Right. So, what do you think we do at that point? Three strong six footers, <laughs> right? <laughs> Muscles. We know everybody, right? You play basketball yeah, in the city. You know everybody yeah. everywhere. What do you think starts happening, man? Oh goodness, I, do I want to know? So I want to be a part of it. We start fighting. Absolutely. What? Well, not me. Right. Right. You got we people, start throwing though. mattresses yeah, out, yeah. The, <laughs> out the roof. We start going crazy. <laughs> people start calling the cops. It starts to get out of hand. Really? So and then so we tried the legal route, taking mm -hmm. people to court. Mm -hmm. And they're like, dude, you're doing an SRO. So, yeah, um, if it's if you didn't legally trans, transfer right. it into an SRO, right. you probably can't take them to court. If you do, the judge might tell you you have to give them all their money back mm -hmm. and that they don't owe you anything. Right. 
Right. So now I'm like, all right, how do we do this? Right. Because and the only reason I did that is because it wasn't enough profit mm-hmm. for everybody. Right, right, right. I was gonna say the three, three of people. us yeah, on yeah, a yeah. two family, we charge it right. It's like right. but so much you could charge, right. but it worked. And when it worked, it worked for a long. We did it for a long time too. I'm sure. We did it for a long time, and then we scaled. So here's the deal: we we structured right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put up fifty percent of the money. My other two friends put up. Uh, they put up twenty five and twenty five, okay. and it probably came to like sixteen thousand. Okay, right in total. Yeah. So yeah, I put up eight, four, and four. Here's the plan. We're saving all of the money mm-hmm. until we can get until each of them can get their own. Okay. Right? Yeah. So nice. now we had a property on Home Street. We had a property on Teller Avenue. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Teller Avenue yeah. in the Bronx? Mm-hmm. Belmont, Beaumont. So we had property. So we all buying it together. Yes, but we're refinancing each other off, right? So that they can get their own. Got it. So I Got owned it. mine by myself, and I had my own portfolio. Mm-hmm. But my two other best friends had their own. Had their so own. we're building our own portfolios. That's winning. It was winning, but it was trouble. I'm sure it was. Man, just just think 2003, 2004. Yeah. Right? The good old days. Um, the good old days. <laughs> right? The good old days. We're going around. So we would go. We would meet up on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. We go knock on all the doors to collect the rent. Best best time of my life when I collect rent day. <laughs> yes. So we so we walking around with this much money. Yes. Right? We're dipping the up thing. the money uh, amongst like five six houses, five six houses, all all SROs, yes. right? All yes. rooms. So it's going crazy. But when people don't pay, right? Right. So I'm from I'm from the Bronx. I got another best friend from harlem mm-hmm. he's from the east side another one grew up on the west side of harlem okay really good basketball players too mm-hmm. right so just imagine someone telling us like with an attitude right no i don't have the rent they're Not blasting music it, <laughs> and they're just showing it all this fancy right. stuff or whatever right it just didn't work it it, it, it was we were like ain't no way Ain't no way. We about to we gonna get arrested this Saturday. <laughs> Somebody something's gonna happen, right? right? So it just got crazy, and um, we started to it just started to get crazy. It just started to escalate Escal- yeah, every yeah. single money, week, no and then they don't want to get out. Right. It's like all right, you can't stay here, right. and then some had attitude, so it just got a little crazy. And I figured I knew like all right, this isn't this has to change. Yeah. Fortunately enough and lucky enough for all of us, right? I think 08, like the mortgage crisis came, that stuff started to come to a halt. Yeah. I was smart enough. I started to branch out into Connecticut. Good. Um, I had properties right next to Yale. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I just, I just knew like this model. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was ahead of its time. So now you go register SRO. The SROs everywhere, and you can do it the right way. But we just had no clue. Like we just jumped in. There was no map map to do it. There's nobody to tell us. There was no YouTube. There was nothing Mm -hmm. to tell us. And it's not like you can go in the Bronx to the Department of Housing and ask them how you do something. The first thing they're gonna say is, "Are you doing it now?" Right. And who's in there? Right. And they may want to come see, but we got like eight people, live, eight, yeah, eight yeah, different yeah. people living there. Right. So it's like, all right, let's stay away from the department <laughs> building. So it just got crazy. And um, what we were all fortunate enough to do mm-hmm. is sell those properties right before. Right before. Right yeah. before. So I was mad. We sold like $200,000 profit oh, each house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, from O two O yeah, that made some good money on O. Killed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killed the game. Absolutely. Killed the game. Absolutely. We still have a few pieces left, mm-hmm. but that was my way to. It was just like the signs were like the real estate yeah. gods were like, all right, time to go. Yeah, and, and we're maturing, we're growing. Mm-hmm. I got my own property, my own house, way uptown, um, Westchester County. Okay, right, and it's like. I'm going into the city. We fighting every week. People are calling the right. cops. Right. People are like gearing up for war on Saturday if they don't have the rent. <laughs> so you know, we cut our teeth in that mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. We learned, and then we we were able to jump out safely. Nice. Right? None of us got hurt in that crisis. However, we sold some of those two hundred thousand dollar houses for like four and some change, yeah. like ridiculous profit. That was a good time once the property values and. Yeah. I'm guessing those property values after you sold them dipped a little bit, like oh, t- like ten, eleven. Yeah. Because they were saying, oh, they were overvaluing properties. Oh, mm-hmm. not it's from 08 to ten. Yeah. And when eleven and twelve hit, they were like, these ain't worth what they were sold for. Yeah. So you got out, you got out a good time. But it's cyclical, right? Yeah. Because if you look at those properties now, now they, they right back up eight, nine hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for a three family in the Bronx. Absolutely. Right. Is absolutely. that what you see in your markets? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even now, um, after the the you know, 2020 with everything with COVID, there yeah. was some dip in properties because people interest rates were tremendously low, you okay. know, two and three percent. Yeah. And so now people is like, well, they can they can afford a, a eight a hundred dollar increase in the price of the property because now the rates are nothing. the rates are low. Yeah. Right? Now the rates are going back up. Now those same people that weren't able to sell when the property, when the interest rates were two and three percent, but right. their pri- price point was still eight hundred. Yeah. Now they got to come down <clears throat> to, you know, to make it make sense. Exactly. Exactly. And if they brought with the intention to flip, now they're in trouble. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, I mean, I brought you here, man, to hear a little bit more about your story, but that is exactly how I got into land bank properties. Nice. It was time to get back into the game, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. went corporate America. I made tons of money there. And I start thinking about the future, thinking about my kids. And I'm like, all right, how do I get back into the game and not get hurt? So naturally, you know, rent is the biggest factor mm-hmm. where people lose their shirts mm-hmm. and, and go crazy in mm-hmm. real estate. Mm-hmm. And that was really the, what caused a lot of problems. It was like, all right, so I have a mortgage where I live, a mortgage on this property. You can't pay your mortgage. So I now have to pay the mortgage right. here because you can't pay your rent. Right. So I figured out, all right, I got to get back into real estate. What could I do? Mm-hmm. And what came to mind was just cash flow, just buy. Right. Just go buy, just cash out and just go buy the cheapest houses you can to accumulate the most doors. And now you got debt free doors. Absolutely. You win it. I don't care what nobody says in any capacity of real estate. If if you own a property debt free, regardless how much you pulled out, you have just created like infinite Mm -hmm. amounts of wealth. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, man. So your start in the mortgage game. What were some of the some of the low points? As you, were, as you were riding the wave. So the low point, you were lucky enough to get out in 08. Yeah. Um, so I owned, I think, probably like five or six doors between 08 and uh, probably not. I brought those in 06. So 06 and, say, 14, 15. 
the problem was that twofold. One, I was a mortgage. I was in mortgages, and mortgage com- the mortgage industry was going through a change, which didn't allow you to do as much <clears throat> volume as I was able to do when you can do stated prob- stated income, all okay. that good stuff. So I had that fighting against me. My main source of income, which is mortgages, was taking a dip just because the industry changed. So they limited how many deals you can close per month? No, they didn't limit. Or the amount? The, they didn't limit how much you can do. The The issue was not everyone now qualifies with the new industry rules yeah. and regulations. So now you had to show all your income. You had to show, <laughs> you know, you had to show all the your bubble yeah, the, bubble, the bubble is over. Yeah. Right? So I go from I go from I think probably from 05 to say 010. I think my income was somewhere around 250 a year. Yeah. You know, it was just solid. I could just write bank it in. That's and not bad, by the way, for that, 2005. Listen, I had a good run, bro. <laughs> 2005, 250,000 is yeah, not bad at all. It, it was a, a very, it was a very good time. But also now, I, I I've accumulated property. Mm-hmm. I'm getting same thing with you. First of the month on those Saturdays, I'm in my car. I'm riding around to everyone. <laughs> listen, yeah, how you doing? Good, good, good. Rinse do blah blah blah. But if you remember that time, also there was a lot of job loss during that time. Yeah. So now a lot of my tenants were not able to pay. Let me ask you this question. This is something used to burn me mm-hmm. up, bro. <laughs> so here's a couple couple things. My initial question is, mm-hmm. don't you hate when tenants don't call you? Just let me know. Give me a text. Let me so know. they know you're coming. You know. You right? Know, like we've already established it. They're going to let you drive from your house to their house. Bro. Knowing you coming and don't have the money. Bro. Isn't that the worst feeling? That's one of the worst feelings, right? Let me tell you, I, I've experienced that so much. Yeah. Um, and I tell you one a quick story. I had a lady like that. She had a family. This lady tried to and didn't tell me she wasn't paying, but then tried to flirt and offer me extra. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm not here for that right now. Nah, that comes with the territory. That Uh, comes with the territory. uh, And so so just imagine the demographic. We used to get renting rooms, right? You know who's in the rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're in the rooms. The the drug dealer, the hustlers, the runaways. What you need. It's like, like, yo, like I don't have it cash. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, what are we talking I can't about right pay here? my I can't pay the mortgage on this property with anything else but cash. That's all the bank is taking. Yeah, they're not taking yeah. special favors or anything yeah. else. I need my money. I'm not gonna say no names, <laughs> but there's people in my crew. Oh my god, that have had a moment of weakness <laughs> that they probably figured they wasn't gonna get the money anyway. <laughs> well, why not? Listen, it's only one time. Never me. The money always paid the mortgage for Listen, me. I need my money. And I always ran it like a business. Um, that's funny. To. You have to. So that's one of my questions. My other question mm-hmm. is, why the hell didn't we use um, management companies? Back then, I don't think they were scaled. I, I was trying to figure out how I could, I'll be honest. Yeah. When I looked into it, it, it would have it cost me money because the management companies were mainly focused on the apartment buildings. Yeah. So that's how their pricing was fit for the large right. apartment buildings. I okay. don't think they were fit for people that had because I, I didn't buy anything but two families. Yeah, I bought it and I got it as an owner occupied so I can just keep 
Yeah. <laughs> two family. Two. I, I've never had a single family. I guess day. we all did the same yes. thing in New yeah, York, man. Yeah. That FHA play, we ran that. Yeah. So it was, I don't think it was able to scale to, okay. to fit the pricing for someone who owned five, six, two families. I didn't know about them. You didn't know? Okay. I had no clue. I didn't hear about them. Really? There was no knowledge of a management company <clears throat> at all. Right. So I didn't grow up in a building. Right. I grew up, grew up in a private house. Okay. But it was just like 14 of us. Got it. And then from there, I went to college and mm -hmm. came back. So mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. I didn't know anything about management companies. I right. probably never even heard of one back then. Really? Okay. Now, if I could have paid a management company right. or if I could have had an office, and 10% is nothing it's compared nothing. to. Yes. Like almost getting arrested, yes. right? Almost getting stabbed. Uh, all the all the war all the stories, all the crap to, we got we got to right, go through, right? right? As absolutely, landlords, absolutely. If if somebody would have said, "Hey, you know, we instead of collecting, instead of paying you thirteen hundred, mm -hmm. we just going to deposit um, eleven ninety into your account, right? We just going to deposit twelve hundred. I'd have jumped at it easily. I'd have jumped at and, it. And we all get to stay home on a Saturday morning. I would have jumped at it, I right? Mean, it, it for me. Because, you know, I was young like you, mm -hmm. but I still had a heart. So I had a couple of single mothers, yeah, couple kids. And there were times where I know they were doing this intentionally. They were knew <laughs> rent was due. They would come to the door with the baby crying, right, one in right, the back right. with like a half bottle of water. <laughs> Knowing I'm looking at this, yeah, now yeah, I got to yeah. have a heart to be like, I need my money or... Yeah. All right, let's work something out. So if I could have been detached from it and let mm -hmm. someone else deal with it, like easier. yourself, it would have definitely been not only emotionally easier, but business-wise, it would have been more efficient for me. I never went into any of my businesses with my heart in mind. Really? Yeah. Never. I, that was one of probably nah. my biggest my biggest issue. I would just ask if you don't have the if you don't have the rent money, do me a favor and stay somewhere else. Is what I would always is what right. it would always be for me. It's right. like, all right, so I got it. You don't have the money. Do me a favor, just go live somewhere else. Right. Um, because I had to pay the mortgage, right? And I Absolutely. and again, in my mind, I always knew and understood how important credit was. Mm-hmm. Today, even today, credit is everything. It's, yeah, it's paramount. I don't I, I never knew the intricacies of credit mm -hmm. and utilization and lates and collections and how to maneuver it. Move, I right. just knew to pay everything on time. I was taught really early mm -hmm. to um, set everything up on auto pay. Okay. And you back work as hard as you can to make sure the monies it's are dead. in your accounts by those dates. Right. So my hustle, my grind, everything was all right. The 15th or the this 8th or whatever date the money had to be in my account mm -hmm. to manage that auto pay is what really drove me to go really hard. Okay. And... I've never had a blemish on my credit report. Good for you. Listen, I can't. I, I wish I could say the same. I mean, thankfully. So my mother always was big on credit. She was like, yeah, credit, 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 credit. I had a dichotomy. My dad, on the other hand, mm -hmm. you know, street dude. Yeah. Cash money, baby. <laughs> so it was kind of like <laughs> cash had, and carry, know, right? Cash and carry. So I had kind of like a, a, a influence of both mm -hmm. where it was good in some instances, yeah. but it, it didn't, it wasn't positive for me in, in other instances. Right. Although I knew like this money got to be there. Um, it was just kind of like, you know, 
Yeah, as you know, when you where you grow up influences how you act and how you of course operate, and so it, it your was environment, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If absolutely. you are around everybody who managed credit the right way <clears throat> and who was able to teach you, and it was the norm for everybody to have a perfect credit score, mm -hmm. perfect payment history, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. sometimes there's something called client hell days where you can actually pay some of your stuff yep. ahead and get yep. credits for. Yeah. If you were, if you we grew up in an environment like that, right? If yes. that was the the thing. In the Bronx, a lot of our uh, individuals will have different credit scores way today. Way different. Way different. Yeah, man. So you did SROs as well? I had one SRO. Okay. The other ones were, you know, I had families in there. The one SRO is was behind York. And I don't know how I foresaw this. In Jamaica? Yeah. Right Ooh. behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the area was a terrible area. South yeah, Road. Yeah. But there's that, there's that, that, that um, pocket, yeah. that train so i know york college right mm -hmm. and then there's like the train it was it on the other side of that track it was on the others by the projects okay the projects. <laughs> they think you know young 50 onyx yeah, area, yeah 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 total train wreck but the, it was happened to be behind york college yeah and if anyone knows about york college there's a lot of young students but there's also a lot of adults going there for nursing mm -hmm. they're yeah, transient yeah. so they need adult a place. education yeah they yeah. needed a place to stay so that was my one SRO just because I, I thought it would be a better fit. Okay. Um, you know, you got, I've always, you always have a college student in there. Absolutely. You know, you, there's always going to be. Now, the, the kind of the bad part is it's an area I, I don't know about now. Even then, it was riddled, you know, with drugs and, yeah. and, and craziness that was going on. So it was interesting. I made some good money. I got out in time, but okay. that was the one SRO I had that. You know, cool, cool. My experience. I used to have an office on Jamaica and Parsons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jamaica, right on yeah, Jamaica and Parsons yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know the office. I know yeah, that office. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was my office for a while. Man, I used to have a, a couple of offices spread out throughout the, um, the city, mm -hmm. but that one intersection right there it's was always there. yeah busy yeah, as hell yeah. always live yeah. and i uh, performed really well there man yeah that is okay I, so i caught the bus to go to school high school there um that's that was where we transitioned from the train mm -hmm. to bus yeah so i was on i was there on that block every day for four years cool man <laughs> so so on the lower end mm -hmm. of the mortgage the mortgage world mm -hmm. right by the way that test isn't easy bro <laughs> Right, that test isn't easy, by the no, way. So yeah, compliments to you. It's a lot of information. Um, I actually took it and passed it. Yes, right. Good. I did. I, I I had to take it twice though. That's all right. I thought I could wing it the first time. Right. No. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So yeah, I feel you like I'm something. I feel like I'm smart. And I think I did online courses mm -hmm. to do it, mm -hmm. and then I failed by a couple of points. And then I was like, whoa. There's, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. some stuff on here that I really got to pay attention to. Right. So I knew it wasn't easy. And then I just locked in, um, mm -hmm. retook it the very next okay. time. And then I did it. And then I passed it. Then I did some mortgages. But I didn't love that side of the shop. Man. No? The documentation. It's heavy. You got to. Yeah. Right. So it was at a, a, a tough time, so to speak, mm -hmm. where you ha really have to just qualify. Yes. And then getting documents from people. It was, and I'm well connected with mm -hmm. realtors, right? Okay. So a lot of realtors are good friends of mine. So I would get leads, but it was just a, it was just a challenge for me. It, it wasn't what I wanted to, um, my future in real uh -huh. estate to be. Okay. It was more so like paperwork, like, <laughs> ah man, I, 
I, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't be right, getting paperwork. Right. And then this actually was the time where apps first started to um, become a thing. Okay. So people would have to upload or people had upload, the ability, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was pushing for the technology before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why they got to send it to me? Why do I have to do this? Just can't they just upload it? And right. y'all don't got the technology. <laughs> All right, man, call me back when you get the technology, man, because I ain't going to be sitting here right. scanning and faxing and, and uploading and all of this stuff. So uh, I probably closed like three or four deals. Listen, you close. Listen, you, but you, interesting enough, that's funny you say that is mm-hmm. before the technology. So I, yeah. I was working out of home. I, I didn't actually go into an office until like my mid 30s. Really? I worked out of home mortgages. Nice. It was. And what I would do is in lieu of going to see every client, I mm-hmm. got an e-fax. This is when okay. e-fax started. Yeah. And I used that as my technology. <laughs> so they would just e-fax me everything. Yeah. And that was kind of like, I was like, why aren't everyone else doing it? Like, yeah. it just yeah, made yeah. sense. Why I got to go through 30, 30 different apartments and right, extra right, stuff. Right. Send me the, go to, go to, I think it was like, not, what was the, it was a place that had e-fax or Office Max. Yeah. Go to your FedEx e- Kinkos yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. Go to your Kinkos, fax it to this number. I have yeah. everything and I would have my envelopes on my computer in my file. And it comes right and, to But you. fast forward, I'm like, I should have been I should have had a better thought of mm-hmm. creating this app because I was way I know I was ahead of everyone. <laughs> Imagine you would have created the technology. I know I was Imagine you would have created the technology. Front and back driver's license, exactly. tax returns. Exactly. Whatever else you need, man. <laughs> all that stuff, man. So cool. All right, so the mortgage game, mm-hmm. right? We know the downside. What's the downside to it? So the downside, honestly, is you have to, as a mortgage broker, I literally have to work with everyone in the process. Okay. Right? I got to deal with the, the appraiser. I got to mm-hmm. deal with both attorneys. I got to deal with the buyer. I have a little bit of interaction with the seller. Mm-hmm. But... You know, if their personality quirks, if someone is not as efficient as others, yeah. I'm the person because at the end of the day, I'm the money. And if if the money is not where it needs to be, yeah. the deal doesn't work. Right. So I'm the person that has to massage everyone's ego and stir the pot. Like You got to get that um, insurance binder. Insur- I got to deal with the insurance person. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So I got to de- and the underwriter. Yeah. So I have to massage the pot. And to make, make sure everything goes smoothly so, you know, it closes on time and, right. and everyone is yeah. not pissed off. And then you get to see that person live their dream. And I get to see them live their dream. Once once behind the scenes, is, I always tell everyone, I'm like, you, you see a duck floating yeah. on top of water. They're cruising. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know underneath water, their feet are moving. <laughs> so much going a on. A thousand miles a minute. Yeah. And that's where I am. I'm I'm the duck on top of water. I got to make sure everything looks smooth yeah. on top of the water. Cool. Cool. So the downside is like the behind the scenes work behind that has scenes, to be absolutely. done. Everything that needs to be done to, to make it go smooth. Give me some of the positives. Give me some of like those days where you are super happy and proud mm-hmm. like. Right. Damn, I'm a mortgage bro. I can't like I love this job. Bro, I'm going to tell you the stuff that you didn't like, the paperwork. Mm-hmm. When I look at that stuff, I like puzzles. Mm-hmm. I go, "All right." Cuz believe it or not, people think, "Oh, I spoke to my friend, we got the same credit, we got the same income. You know, the house price is the same, but the reality is every deal is different." Okay. So, to me, I enjoy the process of putting the puzzle together. 
Nice. I I I, li- I very much. That's part of the probably the biggest part and the most fun for me. Right. I love seeing people, you know, getting their home. That's fun to me as well. I enjoy that. But putting that puzzle together for each individual person so they get to that point is 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 where it's at for me. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Making it happen. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So that's 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 phenomenal, right? <laughs> we both do that, yes. right? We both make deals happen for people. We both make it make it what it is. What about the financial side, man? There's a there's a there's a there's a reason mm-hmm. why loan officers, mortgage brokers, they ride in different cars, man. <laughs> they travel different <laughs> when they travel, man. There, there's a side to this, right? There's right. a financial piece to this side of what Absolutely. you do. Absolutely. That you got to tell us a little bit more about what's the biggest deal you ever did. Oh my goodness. So the biggest deal I ever did was a, uh, a 28 unit apartment building. Okay. Uh, I want to say somewhere 20, 25 million. Jeez. You funded a $25 million deal. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. And nice. listen, here's the thing. Again, maybe you think so or not, whether it's a hundred thousand or 25 million, it's the same paperwork. Same. Same. Okay. Nothing changes. You you may just have a little bit thicker stack for the twenty eight unit, right? Because there's more apartments and all that other stuff. The appraisal may be a little mm-hmm. bit bigger, but the documentation is all the same, right? So, and that's why I say people go, um, you know, why don't you? What's what's with the smaller deals and the bigger deals? I got to do the same thing no matter what. Yeah. Right? I, now I'm getting different money. I love those commercial deals. Don't get me wrong. Right. I I, I secretly I go a little harder <laughs> just because the money's going to be a little bit bigger. But listen, the money if you if you work hard at what we do, mm-hmm. if you treat people right, if you develop good relationships, you will make a lot of money and you will live nice. very comfortably. Nice, nice. So give me a little bit of detail about the educational piece and what has to happen to become a loan officer. Sure. So uh, so the thing is, they've changed over the years. When I first started, I, when I first started, I was in like a boiler room. I was in a room with five other dudes with phones yeah. and Rolodexes. There was no electronic. Everything was written down. And that's all I had to do. I didn't even have to take a test. Really? Yeah, I just had to. I had to take fingerprints, make sure I, mm-hmm. I wasn't a criminal, make sure I have no financial issues going on as far as embezzlement. But outside of that, I didn't have to do anything. Fast forward to now after the mortgage crisis, we have to uh, 23 hours. New York, you have to do yep. 23 hours. Then you have to take the exam. You still have to do your fingerprints. So you have to know the laws. You know, Each state has different laws. As a broker, I have to be licensed in every state. Each state mm-hmm. has different laws. So I have to, there's a lot of knowledge. Now, there's some general stuff from state to state that's connected. Yeah. But, you know, New York and Texas, they do things totally different. Closes are totally different. You know, so these are things that you have to know and have to have knowledge, working knowledge of. Right. And then once you take the test, as you know, the test is inclusive. It's not difficult work. It's just a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And that's the part <clears throat> that people, they, they don't connect the dots on the knowledge and how it works you know congruently. yeah there's a lot to it man it's not mm-hmm. it's not as simple as we think today yeah, absolutely um absolutely. but it's worth it and it's good knowledge it's good absolutely. information so absolutely. i learned a lot in that process as well even if you don't want to become a loan officer still 
seek the knowledge yep. because it, it helps you in whatever aspect of real estate, whether you're a real estate broker, whether you're an investor, you know, going in, all right, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to game plan. Let Absolutely. Me from there. All right, cool. So, you know, I, I, I lead a team of investors, a great team right? Too. A great they team. buy land, they mm -hmm. buy vacant properties. How can you help a new aspiring investor? Mm -hmm. Um, they typically a lot off some have really good credit the credit ranges, ranges right. right it ranges which if someone's good great they come in and probably get funded from you mm -hmm. if it's not so good at at a minimum they could probably go into the pipeline while they work on that right. but at least they have properties to leverage right um right. how could you help and assist land bank team members absolutely so just knowing how you guys operate let's just take the land the land acquisitions for instance um, so there's two, two main pro programs in acquiring land. And if you want to put a structure on top of the land, you know, you have your typical conventional, um, loan, and then you have maybe your FHA. The key part with that is if you're looking to say, put a single family, when you construct or build property, you have two portions of, you have the land portion mm -hmm. and then you have the actual house. In the past, you had to do ex essentially two loans. You had to do the acquisition of the land yeah. and the construction portion, which is typically a hard money or a short-term loan. Okay. And then you had to follow up with a more stable loan, a long-term loan where there's actual mortgage on the property. Okay. Whether you're going to sell a property, whatever you're going to do with it, that's the essential. There's developed a program where now it's a one-time one -time touch. Right. Why is that important? They're doing everything together. They're doing everything together. Cool. Absolutely. The reason why that is important is if you have two different loans, that means your your costs are going up because you have two different sets of closing costs. Right. Right. Um, in the old way, you had to qualify hard money. Usually your interest rate is higher. So you have to qualify for that. And then now you, you got to qualify for the second loan. OK. Right. Um, with the one touch, you qualify for the one loan. And you're done with it. You can do your construction. You, you take care of all that. So that's a more streamlined way. I think for what you, what you, what your team is doing, mm -hmm. the one touch is probably best for your single family nice. homes because that cuts oh. out a lot of paperwork. We own the land already. I teach mm -hmm. them where to buy it. You teach them where to buy it. Yeah. Perfect. Are we on the land bank team, man. We we oh. got those resources where Love we it. buy land. You buy the land. Pennies on the dollar. We buy the vacant homes, pennies on the dollar. I'm going to have to join your team. So, so then when people are saying they own, like the woman who won the Accelerated Investor mm -hmm. Award, right? Mm -hmm. I think she has like three or four properties yes. and two or three pieces of land. Okay. She, she owns those outright. Okay. That's, that's outstanding. I try to teach that debt-free model, man. And listen, and that's, that's the best way to do it. If yeah. you can clear the debt on it. Yeah. Now that gives you leverage now. Right. Right. So here's another question I wanted to mm -hmm. ask. Can the lenders that you use mm -hmm. use the land as collateral for parts of the loan? Yes. So we do have lenders that that do <clears throat> collateral lending. OK. And they will use the, the value of the land. Some of it. As, yeah. Some of it as collateral. Awesome. Towards, towards whatever else you need to do with it. OK. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Help me with this piece. Mm -hmm. Right. So. I'm developing in, in, in Alabama okay. 10 lots where I'm putting 10 duplexes wow. on, right? We're in the middle of that and 
Friday, we actually have a meeting with my project manager. Nice. And I'm actually going to in invite the land bank team to that oh, meeting. Nice. Yeah, yeah. They're going to just kind of like sit and observe on the Zoom through. while mm -hmm. they see the layouts, the design, and all the process that I'm going to go through as a developer. Absolutely. But my question to you is, <clears throat> in that, you need to qualify for funding mm -hmm. certain credits, I'm going to say, as a developer for ground up for construction, mm -hmm. for new construction. Mm -hmm. Could you share with me what a workaround would be for someone who's fairly new? Okay. They may have done one or two flips with their land bank properties, right. but they own land and they're trying to do new construction on that. Mm, that's that's a good question. So they're trying. So you're saying they, this is maybe their first construction piece. First new build. First yep. new build. Okay. And the work... The question is how do they work around? Maybe they don't have the experience. Correct. Um, maybe they don't have. So generally, in that in that case, mm -hmm. um, I just had someone like this. Actually, I'm I'm dealing with a, a case like this now. the 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 most efficient way in that case is the workaround is start with a hard money, okay, and transition it into a conventional. And the reason why is the hard money they don't really look at what the individual or the entity that's doing the property right. they look at the profit of the property what's the profitability yeah how much what's the plan going forward if you have a plan you have people in place to execute the plan they go okay fine all right we know you don't have the experience we know you know there may be in certain things personal that may not fit the traditional lending for you but we see the long-term goal of this property. Right. And we see where this property is going. We want to be a part of it because we know we're going to get our money plus interest once everything is done. Right. So my private money, hard money guy mm -hmm. doesn't care about a lot of that stuff. Right. He cares about what your plan is with the property. Exactly. exactly. The only thing with him, and this is why I wanted, why I thought mm -hmm. it was important to have you on the show. He doesn't lend in Alabama. Okay. He doesn't have a lender that will lend there. That's too bad for him. We do. I, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That's why I knew it was important to get you here, man. That's why I said, I. Right, I think this will be a perfect fit. Absolutely. Because um, one of the deals that we got that I worked with the land bank mm -hmm. was to buy certain segments of real estate in Alabama. Right. So I opened up the door for land bank team members to come in and now they can buy and they acquired wow. several um parcels of land yeah, that they own absolutely. for themselves so now um i'm super excited we now have a lending partner who will connect us in the space where individuals that don't have the experience in ground up construction or new mm -hmm. build can mm -hmm. now partner or we at least find a non-traditional way non to now become a developer where they too can start to put one family's two duplexes triplexes on some of their properties it's a win it's a win-win awesome 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 all right man so look we're coming up to the top of the hour we want to wrap this up let uh viewers know how can they find you absolutely so uh i'm on all your social media on instagram is lp the funder lp underscore t-h-e underscore funder with a ph okay. um and anywhere else you can find me under lamar parker you know i try to keep it simple l-a-m-a-r-r don't forget the second R, P-A-R-K-E-R, Lamar Parker, on your Instagram, on your your Facebook, your Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube page. You can check me out on that as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, man, cool. Thanks for stopping by. Thank I appreciate you, appreciate you coming. It. This was a fun episode. Absolutely.
And, I enjoyed uh, it, man. Yeah. We got to get you on the court, though. More business to come. I'm not <laughs> playing ball anymore with these old knees, man. That stuff is over with. Um, all right, guys. Like, subscribe, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Land Bank Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Land Bank Show with Charles Newman. Please leave a review for this podcast and give it five stars. Also, follow on Instagram at Charles J. Noonan and share with others as we want to share these unique strategies with developers across the world.